Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 259 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about our great salvation. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of weeks, I have been pondering this idea of so great a salvation. It's actually a phrase that's used in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, where the writer of Hebrews is reminding us not to neglect so great a salvation. And it's an interesting phrase. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it's like, well, what are we talking about? And I understand, you know, salvation is wonderful and amazing. And thank, you know, thank the Lord because of the cross that we have salvation, that we have forgiveness. But why is a writer of Hebrews mentioning this concept or this phrase don't neglect so great salvation. And it's interesting when you look at this idea of salvation, too often, I think we as believers tend to just kind of go, yeah, 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 I had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did that years ago. I am good. I'm saved. But the reality is, is that when we become acquainted with the true concept of salvation, we do truly just need to stand back in awe and wonder and say, wow, that is such a great salvation. Have you pondered recently the goodness of our God? The fact that you and I do not deserve forgiveness or salvation. The reality that because he is so full of love, because his very nature is that of mercy and kindness and patience, that he was willing to take all the punishment for you and I, that all it took for us to be condemned to hell for eternity is but one sin, just one lie, just one lustful thought, just one prideful, arrogant attitude, and that is enough to send us to hell for eternity. And yet all of us have had far more than one act of sin in our lives. I quote this verse all the time, but I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. In other words, God is demonstrating his character. He's demonstrating his affection and desire for us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. Do you hear how radical that reality is? That God is willing to demonstrate his character. That, you know, he's a he's a God of love, as 1 John chapter 4 tells us, but that he's not willing just to say, okay, well, yes, I am a God of love, but that he desires, longs to demonstrate that love. Well, how does he demonstrate that love? Well, it's by sending Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here in Romans 5, 8, Paul says that, well, God is demonstrating his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, that while we were in the midst of our sin, while we were shaking our fist in rebellion to God, it is in that reality, in that moment that Christ died for us. I've often brought this illustration up that I find it so profound that Jesus was willing to be born in a stable. Here is the God of the universe, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. And yet we find him being born in a mucky stable and lying, not in a feather bed, but lying in a manger. Do you realize how backwards that is? That if the God of the universe was going to take on flesh, he should have been born in the greatest hospital or the greatest palace. But yet instead, we find him being born in a very lowly location. And yet I think that is an incredible, beautiful portrayal of the reality of the gospel in our lives. That God is willing to be birthed inside of us. These mucky stables full of filth and animal smells. And God is willing to be born in a stable known as you. But here is the fullness of the gospel. He is so loving that he is unwilling to leave you that way. That yes, while he is willing to be born in a stable known as you, he refuses to let you remain as a stable, which is kind of where the modern church has gone off the rails. We have seen the forgiveness and the salvation of God as a mere hug in our lives rather than the salvific work that radically changes an individual. And so while God overwhelmingly loves us in that, while we were living in this state of sin, while we were shaking our fist in rebellion toward him, he was willing to die for us. In other words, this is not based on you. This is not based on you cleaning up your act. This is not based on you getting your things figured out. This is all based on him and his action his activity in your life. Well, then what do I need to do? Well, I need to respond. I need to respond to that love. And when I respond to that love by grace, through faith, I receive forgiveness. I am saved by Christ. And here's the amazing reality that when you look at this idea that I am forgiven, that my sins have been washed clean this is such a profound statement all throughout the scriptures. Let me just give you a few Old Testament passages. When the Old Testament writers were looking ahead at the reality of what God is doing in his mercy and his goodness with our sin, it had to have been mind-boggling because they had yet to see the reality of the cross. And yet when you look at these passages in light of the cross of Christ, they are so brilliantly profound. So Psalm 103 verse 12 
says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And when you think about this idea that if you throw something infinitely east, it'll never reach the west. In other words, it's not going to circumnavigate the globe like we think east and west. But the idea is if you throw it into the universe east, it'll never reach the west. So what has he done with our transgressions? What has God done with our sin? He has so removed our transgressions that he has thrown it and it'll never come back toward us. Or Isaiah 38 verse 17 says that God has cast all of our sins behind his back, meaning he's not looking at them. I love what Isaiah 43, 25 says. The Lord is speaking and he says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, I have no idea how this works, but God says, I won't remember your sin. Now, we remember our sin, and yet when the blood of Christ is applied to our sin, to our lives, God cannot see the sin. I have no idea how that works, how a sovereign God who knows all things somehow doesn't remember our sin. And yet I believe that he's not lying. He cannot lie. So when God says, I will not remember your sins, well, then he won't remember our sins. That is such a great declaration. That's such good news for us as believers. Or listen to Micah 7 verse 19. It says, speaking of God, that he will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And I love what Corey Tim Boom said about this verse. She says that the Lord will cast all of your sins into the sea and then he'll post a no fishing allowed sign. <laughs> I love that statement. Do you recognize that our salvation is so great because our God is so good? I've just been pondering this idea of so great salvation over these last couple of weeks, and I've just been awestruck afresh by the reality that it does not matter what we have done in the past. It does not matter how great our sin may be. Our God is greater still, that the reality of our lives is the fact that Jesus saves in fact, that is what the name Jesus means. It's a compound word with the idea of Jehovah, where it's this, he was and he is and he forever will be. It's the character of his nature, this immutability, this he does not change reality, this word Jehovah, combined with the verb meaning to save. So when you look at the name Jesus, Jesus' name in Hebrew means God saves. Jehovah is our salvation. And that really is who Jesus is. He's not just some random good teacher or character in history past. Jesus is our salvation. And he is so good and so amazing that, yes, he is willing to be born in a stable known as you or I. And yet he's unwilling to leave us that way that he does not desire to live in a stable. He desires to live in a temple, which is why Paul says, do you not realize that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? A temple is not full of muck and mire and animal smells. That while God is birthed in a stable known as us, he is growing and maturing and sanctifying us in godliness 
so that we become a holy dwelling place for the God of the universe. What an amazing reality. Think about salvation afresh. Yes, it may be something that you did years ago, but do you realize your salvation is great? And the truth is that we must, as the writer of Hebrews says, we must not neglect so great a salvation, that we mustn't forget what he has brought us up and out of, that we mustn't forget the reality of his salvific work within our lives. Because truth be told, while I was, yes, saved years ago, I need Jesus's salvation today. I need his grace and his supply for my need today, that whatever temptations or whatever difficulties or whatever trials I may face today, that he is still my sole means of salvation, that I wasn't saved once and now I'm just to live a good Christian life, that yes, I was saved in the past, but I need his salvation every single day of my life. Now, it's not big S salvation as we think about in terms of the time where I put my trust in Christ and I came to faith or I came to a sure foundation in Christ. Yeah, that's a moment in time salvation, but there is a smallest salvation that I need every moment of every single day. And Jesus is still that salvation because he is Jesus. He is the God who saves. Could I encourage you to freshly ponder your salvation? And if you just see it as something that you just kind of nod your head along and go, yay, 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 that's wonderful, but don't see the profundity and the greatness of it, maybe it's because, well, maybe it's because I need to see Jesus afresh. Maybe I do need to become reacquainted with the fact of how much has God forgiven in my life? Because those that are forgiven much love much. Would you stand in awe of the wonder and the majesty of Jesus and his salvation? Our salvation truly is great. So let us not neglect. Let us never forget our great salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all the verses I just read and some other fun resources, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 259 for episode 259. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ and his great salvation. See you next time.